Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we are doing take two. We uh, originally had our super awesome guest on the phone, I don't know, earlier this week. I think today's Friday. I it think. was Monday, she says. And then, uh, yeah, we, we had our guest on the phone on Monday. And you know what? It, uh, that's, that's, that's the corona years, I guess. That's what happens. Things <laughs> it didn't just really don't go work right. out. That's what happens when you're trying to work from home and record late at night from your bedroom and you've got small children. We were interrupted, I don't know, seven million times. And so we decided let's do this again to, you know, give so our guests some you. justice. Yes. Thank and you. You know what? It's actually this, this probably even worked out better because there's so many changes that have happened since Monday. Yep. It's like every day there's a new fucking something mm-hmm. and this, this can work out really well. Cause like, for example, we're going to talk a lot today about clinic ownership and and all that kind of stuff. Um, our guest on the phone, we originally got in touch because of a post that she put in a Facebook group about you know her employment situation. And I was like, this is super interesting. Let's 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 talk about it. And I think the conversation that we originally had on Monday is actually going to sound a lot different on Friday because of all the changes and then some of the things that we know have happened with some of the clinic owners that we were speaking about originally on Monday have completely changed yep. from what's happening. <laughs> today like this is all just how crazy is it how fast things are changing right now like, are, we things, spoke on are things Monday. changing so fast or is it because we're all sitting around bored at home that you know what i mean so like for example like we've been in lockdown for what four weeks maybe like the first two weeks felt like fucking chaos because you just don't know what to do with yourself you're sitting there and you've never sat in your house just doing nothing for the longest time and suddenly you're doing so so three days goes by and that feels like a month and then six days go by and that feels like six months. It's like, this is all like really, really short still. Like, I know. We're only talking lockdown since, since what? Today is April March 17th. 20 something. And you and I closed our doors at Conant Institute March ago. 17th. A month ago. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been right? exactly a month. It, it, been this a is, month. N- this yeah. is not long at all. But it feels so long. Yeah. Anyway, hey everyone, it's Amanda. And yeah, as Mark said, this is take two. We've got Colette on the phone, who is a clinic owner in Etobicoke uh, here in Toronto. And she initially- and, and also runs the uh, the CBN yes. for the um, yes, which we learned on Monday for the RMTAO, <laughs> which I learned on Monday. I think Mark already knew that. Um, anyway, so as Mark said, she had put a post up in the RMTAO Facebook group, which caught his attention. So we wanted to have a chat with her, and really, it's just because at this point, it's it's nice to talk to other people. Um, in different situations and see how they're handling everything right now with this global pandemic and all of us closing our doors. So in Colette's situation, she owns a, a small clinic, uh, which she's the only RMT there. And um, yeah, she got into, found herself in a situation where her landlord was saying, pay up by whatever date or find a new space. And so we wanted to chat about it. But before we do, Colette, thank you again for doing Take Two with us. You're welcome. And um, as I said to you off mic, I think one thing we really missed on Monday was to give a really good introduction of you. So nobody else heard that one. So let's, you know, wipe the slate clean. Can you, for all of our listeners, introduce yourself, how long you've been a therapist, what type of practice you have, and just a little bit about you? Yeah. So um, I've been in practice since 2016, um, so relatively new on the scene, I guess. And um, as of uh, June of last year, I, I've been practicing here in the West End at a couple of different uh, physio clinics, and, um, but I'm 
found a wonderful space, just a one single room in a commercial um, commercial building in my area here in the West End. And it um, it was just the perfect opportunity. The price was right. And I went for it and I started my own solo practice and um, and it just started growing and, and it actually worked out really great. Um, my, I, you know, I jumped right in to, you know, the uh, ups and downs of running your own business and figured everything out as I went along. Um, but it was working out beautifully. And um, I was, you know, my practice is, um, I don't really have any area of focus particularly, but um, just working full time on my own, making ends meet and um, loving every minute of it until, of course, a month ago. <laughs> so what made you even want to go out on your own to begin with? I mean, if you're working and, you know, you've got a couple of different places going on, why, why, why? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I realized that my personality was such that I like doing things my own way. And I also, I, you know, over the last few years, um, working for different uh, clinics and seeing how things operate, I was really, I paid attention to what was working and what was not. Um, and I realized that um, there were just some things that a lot of things too, I didn't agree with necessarily. And I felt really uncomfortable working in, in places where, for example, they weren't following standards or, you know, they weren't um, really doing enough marketing or effective marketing. And that wasn't really helping me uh, build my practice professionally. So um, I just took all these lessons that I've been learning and, and things I've been noticing and, you know, I decided that I wanted to give it a go. And uh, also, I just wanted the freedom. I wanted to be able to dictate my own hours. I wanted to be able to um, you know, work with my clients, um, in the way I wanted to, um, you know, uh, all these things, all the freedoms that being a clinic owner gives you. That makes a lot of sense. If you had some of those things from the other places that, how many places did you work at before you started on your own? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> like a bunch, I think right? about six or seven. Yeah. Okay. So had you got what you're describing now from any of those places, would you have still gone out on your own? Um, Yeah. I, I think so. Okay. Because so you just were not meant to be under someone's anything. I, I don't think so. Okay. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really, I learned a lot from all the places that I did work at. And, um, you know, the the plus side was, you know, being able to work with colleagues and um, and the camaraderie about, you know, with all of that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. So I knew I'd be sacrificing that working on my own. But um no, I, I don't regret my decision at all. Did you take a hit at all when transitioning from working with people to being completely on your own? Or was that like a really smooth transition for you? Uh, the first few months were a, a little bit um, light, you know, on the on the financial side. But I, I kind of expected that. And um, I just, you know, hoped and prayed that I would soon get busy. And, you know, as I said, I started in June, I opened my doors in June, which summertime can be a little slow anyway, but it sort of ramped right up into September as it usually does. And that's what, when it started to um, go really well for me. Do you feel that you were 100% prepared to go out on your own? Meaning when you opened up your space, did everything sort of flow smoothly? Or, you know, you said at the beginning, you sort of learned as you went along. Did you find that there were speed bumps or obstacles that you hadn't even thought of? Mostly I was prepared. Um, like I said, I've been paying attention um, all this time. I'm pretty organized. And so I think that helped a lot. Of course, there were new things I had to teach myself, like a you know, direct billing, um, 
I had to, uh, the marketing piece that was, um, really stepping out of my comfort zone, um, just figuring out how, which marketing techniques would work, which would not. Um, you know, I tried a lot and I just, um, a few ended up working better than others. So what did work for you? Where, where do you feel that you were getting most of your clientele when you went out on your own? Um, mostly it turned out, uh, through Google, um, Google ads and through just being in the community. Funny enough, just hanging out at the local coffee shops, um, having chit chats with people and then, you know, just, oh, you're a massage therapist. Oh, cool. Well, I have this issue. And, you know, that I just that the organic connection um, just from being within the community. I, I grew up actually in this neighborhood, so um, I know quite a few people anyway, and I participate in all kinds of community events and I just try to be out there. And I think that's really what um what helped me the most. You just gave me an idea and I want you to do this. I want you to go get a black t-shirt and I want you to get it printed on the back and it's going to say on the back, I'm a massage therapist. Ask me anything. <laughs> Seriously. And then hit all your neighborhood stuff, you know, go to the coffee yeah, shop, no. go do this, go do that. With <laughs> when that, you're allowed to socialize again. With that t-shirt on, that branded t-shirt that says, I'm a massage therapist. Ask me anything for real. No, Mark, that's awesome. I was actually going to get a logo, like a t-shirt with my logo on it. At least, you know, just professional kind of little logo in the top corner. Yeah. But having some text on the back, that's awesome. It's a really good idea. It actually is really brilliant because as you were talking, it was making me reminisce about the first clinic job that I ever had. I was renting a space in a chiropractic clinic and I was the only massage therapist. And it was in a very busy, high-end neighborhood here in Toronto. And the way that I kept busy there, I mean, I was seeing 30 plus people a week. I was loving life. Oh, and wow. I mean, I was renting a tiny, probably like 10 by 10 room. It it was nothing fancy, but I was busy as hell and loving every minute of it. And mm -hmm. that's exactly how I got all of my clients. I just knew all of the business owners in the neighborhood. You had a I, I did not have a t-shirt. <laughs> but as you said that, I was like, fuck, I should have had a t-shirt. I would go to, there was a coffee shop right across from my clinic. It was a small family owned place and it was named after, um, it, there was a husband and wife that owned it and it was named after their like nine year old daughter. And I would go in there every day and get coffee from them. There was within walking distance of the clinic, there was like two Starbucks, a Timothy's, a Tim Hortons, a McDonald's. Like I could have went anywhere, but I always went to this coffee shop. Well, one, I really liked their coffee. And two, they were just really nice people. It was obviously a little more expensive because it was a, a smaller shop, but... I would go there every day and they knew me by name and they would always tell their customers if anybody mentioned mm -hmm. anything about anything, you know, like if they saw somebody pregnant, hey, we know a massage therapist across the street or, mm -hmm. you know, somebody mm -hmm. who was complaining of some kind of aches or pain. or Hey, there's a massage therapist across the street. So, I, yeah, I, I love that. I got to know everybody in my neighborhood. And even though we live in the age of social media, I felt like I didn't even need to do that just by having my face in public. And that just seems like such a crazy concept right now. After only a month of being locked away in our homes, it seems like, will we ever get back to the day where we could just like go to a coffee shop and meet somebody and tell them to, you know, come across the street and I'm going to touch you. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. It does seem kind of far away right now, but um, yeah, yeah, so interesting does. what a month can do. Yeah, this I'm, I'm trying not to get used to this as a new normal. I'm embracing it as my normal for right now and, you know, doing what I need to do. But I don't want to accept that this is the way life is going to be because, to be honest, I miss people. <laughs> this isn't actually too much from my normal. That's the funny part. Yeah, you're already one of the, social. <laughs> one of the only, the only major difference is like when I'm doing 
work for the continuing education company or when I'm doing podcast stuff, I'm doing it from my bedroom, my couch, instead mm-hmm. of my chair and my desk at my office. Yeah. Other than that, mm-hmm. my days are the same. I mean, yeah, I'm not seeing any any patients or clients right now, but even still, like right. this is uh, this is this is normal to me. <laughs> yeah, you grocery store. I don't go there anyway. That's true. Mm-hmm. That has always been my job. Only now it's so much more. It's just sad at the grocery store. Have you been going into the grocery stores or have you been doing delivery, Colette? I've been going. Um, I feel like I'm healthy enough and I'm the only one in my household who's been going, following yeah. all the rules, you know. Yeah. But um, trying to support local places too. And uh, it's been really neat to see how other businesses, like the little, you know, the little uh, family owned uh, vegetable stands, are man are managing and one in particular that I visit in my area, they've done they set it up where they have two windows now and they have um an online you can order online, like a set box of vegetables and fruit, or you can go up to the window and, you know, ask for like a box of raspberries or whatever you want. And uh I asked the younger man, I guess, who was helping me, like, how are you guys doing? And he's like, We're tired, we're busy, but we're thankful to be open. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, nice. it's awesome. It's really great that you've found a way to adapt and um, they had, they were busy, you know. And they don't have a choice at the end of the day. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to say like, let's close up and then you're just going to go into massive amounts of debt or you open up and you cross your fingers. And if today I made 50 bucks, that's better than if I was closed. And if I made $2,000, well, that's, I'm, I'm really happy about that. So you don't really have a choice in that matter. Right? I love that so many people are um, adopting the support local though. I mean, I, I myself have tried to support some small businesses. Um, we ordered some kits for our daughters to decorate cookies. And I just really Googled and I was looking for, you know, small little bakeries that are still open. Um, Mm -hmm. I reached out to a few that were unfortunately unable to fulfill the order because it's actually really hard to come by basic supplies like flour and eggs and butter and all of those things right now. So a couple of the smaller bake shops weren't able to, but I did find a place all the way at like Keel and St. Clair. And you know, from talking to me the other night that that is way outside of my comfort zone. (laughs) I mean, if it's not Scarborough, I don't know where I am. (laughs) But we went all the way to like Keel and St. Clair and got some cookies for our girls to decorate today. And I mean, it was a small order. You know, I spent maybe $25, $30, but something to support small businesses that are Mm. probably feeling a really big hit right now, like all RMTs are. Like we all are. Yep, totally. Yeah. How are you doing? I mean, I know that obviously, like the rest of us, your doors are closed. But what are you doing right now while not working to keep your mind occupied or to keep I I, want to say keep busy? because That's not the right word. Maybe maybe you're not keeping busy. Maybe you're slowing down. What are you doing to actually keep your sanity? can, Can we before we do that? Can we go back? And get the story that originally said, let's uh, do this whole thing. Well, the, I was, the I was getting post. there. Well, I can start with the story and tell you how what I've been doing since then. So I shut my doors on March 16th, which is a Monday. I, that was what the day I made the decision to close. And the day that the CMTO sent us the original email saying, stop all non-essential massage therapy treatments, which I think yeah. most of us took as, yeah, they're telling us not to work. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I made my I made the decision on that day and not the day before that because I um, heard from a relative who um, said she was experiencing some symptoms. Turns out it wasn't COVID, but she wasn't sure, and she had just been traveling um, 
to Quebec. So she was a little bit concerned and I had been um, uh, out for lunch with her like two weeks before that, or maybe a week and a half before that. And I was like, oh boy, okay. So um, it just hit me at that moment, how, um, how connected we all are. And I just felt, no, I, I have a responsibility to protect everyone, all my patients. Um, so I made the decision that day up the week before that there were still like, we knew about COVID and we were all, I think, taking precautions. Um, fortunately, you know, I was, I was pre-screening everyone who was walking in my office and I didn't, I only see about three, four people a day max anyway. So, um, it was easy for me to just get in touch with everyone, make sure that they weren't feeling ill, um, making sure they were washing their hands when they entered my office and, um, um, I think everything is fine. I haven't had and I haven't heard from anyone, so I'm assuming it was all okay. But um, yeah, so I made the decision to close my doors on the 16th, and then I waited maybe a week or so to get in touch with my landlord uh, of the building where I rent my clinic space, and um, I mentioned that um, I was shut. I had to, you know, mandated to be closed, and obviously my income was zero dollars, so. She agreed at the time um, to for April first rent that it could be um, half of what I normally pay, um, with the understanding that we I'd make up the rest of the rent in exchange, like a massage exchange or something. And she was totally fine with that, and I was really really grateful that she was going to be that generous. But I think at that time we also didn't realize how long this was going to go for. No, that was at the time where we all thought that okay, we close for two weeks. You know, we we sort of spread out the number of cases, and we all get back to normal life. And yeah. it's almost like a distant memory that that was that was ever a thought. Like okay, you know, we yeah, we just take a two week vacation, no biggie. Is that worse to know it like that? Is it worse to know like okay? I got to tough this out for two weeks and then get slapped with, okay, more days. Okay. More days. Okay. More. Or is it better to get it all out? Like you're going to be like this on lockdown for five months. What would I, you rather? Know? I don't think it would have mattered if you're talking to me because it's, it's not like we were given any warning. It was all of a mm -hmm. sudden, like it all just came on very quickly. It seemed, even though, yes, we've been talking about this novel coronavirus since the end of last year, mm -hmm. it seemed like such a, distant thing. It seemed like it wasn't really going to come here. And if it did come here, was it really going to be that serious? I mean, we all lived through SARS. I don't know how old you are, Colette, but I'm assuming that you were, you know, an adult when SARS was a thing or at least a teenager. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it was serious, but it wasn't like we were yeah. what we were at a rock concert like shortly after. So was it really, you know, I, I don't think anybody was really taking it that seriously. And then all of a sudden it exploded and it was like, yeah shit like everyone needs to stay away from each other and you know mm -hmm. at one point we're talking about social distancing and I feel like mm -hmm. that went very quickly from social distancing to social isolation like it just yeah. it, I don't know I don't think it would have mattered if like we you don't think told, more people would have been like fucking bonkers if they were told right off the bat mm, you're you're gonna we're doing this for about four four or five months get used oh, to you it. know what yeah maybe maybe there been panic yeah I feel like there would have been much more panic actually I changed my answer completely I think if you were told we're basically locking you up and we don't know for how long so I think in the beginning going week by week or whatever they were doing was probably the best way to avoid people losing their fucking minds and some people still 
still did lose their minds. So some people yep. are still losing their minds. It's true, yeah. and I feel for those people because it's really hard not knowing. It just this uh, this feeling of uncertainty. I mean, I finally am at the point, as I said to you, that I've. I'm just sort of embracing this as my normal for right now. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, I had this awful feeling in the pit of my stomach for so long. Like, what's going on? What do I do? What should I be doing? And I finally realized there is no should. There's no right answer. There's nothing that mm-hmm. I just have to make sure that my kids, my, you know, my immediate family that we're doing okay. I check on my parents. I check on my in-laws. You know, it, there's no what I have to be doing right now. And once I came to that realization, it was like, okay, we're just going to live right now and, and see how Mm -hmm. things go. Absolutely. And I think I, I feel or felt the same way you did, uh, Amanda, at the beginning, I was like in a whirlwind, you know, my mind's a spinning million miles, miles a minute. And I had no idea what was going to happen and lots of emotions, lots of really emotional days. Um, I started reaching out to my patients, though, um, through email and just through phone calls. Um, some of those phone calls were meant to cancel appointments, but, you know, a lot of them turned into just checking in. How are you doing? And um, I got a lot of words of support, um, which is really, really lovely. And uh, and I'm still doing it every day. I've decided. So I decided to create a little. I need structure. It turns out I really need structure. So. What that looked like for me was every morning, you know, do a few phone calls to some patients. And I, I've just been kind of going through my calendar backwards in time, looking at people who uh, I would normally be seeing now for their next appointment mm-hmm. and um, just reviewing their um, their charts and seeing like what are the issues and just making sure that my phone calls focus on that too. So it's not just a, an open-ended how are you doing call, but I'm just checking in to see how X issue is doing, how you're coping, are you still doing your stretches, you know, is there anything new, and um, trying to tailor each phone call to each of my patients, and um, I think they, well, so far, they've really appreciated that. Yeah, this is, it's a great practice, because one, it's keeping your mind focused, it's keeping you busy, as you said, you're somebody who needs structure, not everybody needs that, but if you need that, this is helping you, it's making your your patients aware that you're still thinking about them, you still care about them, and just giving you some uh, human connection that, you know, we're all really lacking these days. I mean, we work in a career where we we're used to touching people all the time. So not mm-hmm. even being allowed to see people or be near people, you know, with uh, with less than six feet between us is a weird mm-hmm. thing for a massage therapist. It is. And I think it's been hard too for, um, for myself. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of my colleagues where, you know, we as healthcare providers haven't really been, um, called up to help. Um, we've sort of been, I think, overlooked um, in terms of these, you know, calls for um, from the provincial government to for any healthcare workers to step up to the plate. But um, I haven't heard of anyone who's actually done that. And um, I think a lot of us are feeling kind of like, what What are we going to do? Like, what can we do mm-hmm. in the face of all that's been going on? You know, we're not, of course, trained nurses. We uh, certainly not our scope, um, unless some people are dual registrants. But yeah, it's kind of it's been hard. And so calling for me, calling my patients has given me um, a kind of a sense of like I'm actually helping. You know, not just I mean, yeah, I'm I'm 
delivering groceries to my mom and I'm doing stuff around the community as much as I can, but I'm still being, I'm still able to help my patients even just on the phone, even just with a phone call. And you know, a few of them have actually called me to ask, you know, you know, for advice, I guess. Well, some of them are asking for massages, but when they realize <laughs> they can't get it, <laughs> when they realize I can't, uh, I can't do treatment now, um, just the chat that happen after, I think are really just as therapeutic. Yeah, I've had a little bit of contact with a few of my clients. I was actually just thinking today that I I wanted to send out and I was I'm going to do this on Monday, I think. Uh just send out more of a mass email telling people, you know, about what's going on and where I'm at and whatever and letting them know that they can reach out to me if they need to because I've had some people who have um a couple that yes have been asking, are you treating any clients right now? And when I explain to them why I'm not, um mm-hmm. I've actually got a really big outpouring of support from my clients. Like, oh my God, are you guys okay? Knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, I I own and operate a business with my husband. Like, are you guys okay? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? And it's uh, it's been really nice to see how many people have actually sent me uh, text messages or emails saying like, if you need absolutely anything, please reach out to me. And I'm like, isn't this supposed to be the other way around? Aren't I supposed to be like <laughs> reaching out to you like, hey, do you need anything? Let me know. And it's just, I don't know, it's sort of been going the mm-hmm. other way where my clients are like, are you okay? Do you need anything? <laughs> like, we're totally fine. Are you okay? Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful when when that happens, right? When um, that obviously means you've developed really solid relationships with uh, with your patients, and uh, I mean that's really what we do: build relationships. Yeah, I miss those people. I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta talk to more of them. Like I said, I've had a few that have called me, but I was literally just thinking as we were driving back from the bakery today in what felt like the middle of nowhere that I need to send an email to all of them. You know, just get on mm-hmm. and send a mass email out, let them know like I am. Yes, I could do a one by one, but uh, this. Homeschooling thing is really kicking my ass, Colette. Like I don't, I don't know how how parents are doing it who have older children. Mine are so little, but just trying to keep them structured throughout the day and do stuff with them. I feel like by five o'clock, I'm like wiped. Well, on top of that, you're not working. What have you had to work? And you're working from home, and you got to homeschool. Those moms, those dads, Mm -hmm. like those parents who are working from home and homeschooling. You are my heroes because Mm -hmm. I'm so tired at the end of the day, just cooking three meals a day and doing like Mm -hmm. homework with these kids and breaking up fights. And oh, man, I didn't. I've always appreciated teachers. Don't get me wrong. I didn't realize how much I need teachers until this time. (laughs) I think a lot of people share your sentiment. (laughs) I think they do. Yeah. Well, you and I joked about on Monday um, about like, this is such a great time to not have kids. No, I'm totally kidding. I obviously love my children. (laughs) But my cousin who doesn't have any kids by choice, um, put a post up the other day, like not bragging, but this is a pretty great time to not have any children. I'm like, Oh, you asshole. You're just like at home Mm -hmm. having some daiquiris with your feet up like she's on friggin' vacation right now. (laughs) Anyway, back to the issue of having to close the doors. Well, we were at I think I think you left off or I interrupted you when you uh, said that your landlord was letting you pay for half half the rent for that month. And then doing an exchange for the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, so that was just the, the end of March. And then in early April when it became so of course things are changing just about every day and it became clear um by the first week of April that this wasn't this isn't going to be over anytime soon so I reached out again to my landlord by email and said 
you know, I really appreciate that, you know, you offered to um, help me with April rent, but what are your thoughts on the long term? If this, you know, because there's no clear end date at this point. And that was when she had written to me saying that um, she was in, well, I'm paraphrasing, but she expected um, full payment of May's rent. And if I couldn't manage that, then she would use my um, my security deposit to pay for that. And that I would be, she'd be looking for a new tenant for June. And I should say too, that that's because my lease is up in June. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just, it happened to work out that way. Um, But it, that was what prompted me to write that uh, Facebook post. What was the tone of her email? Now I know you can't actually read tone, but do you feel that this was like a stern email? Like I know that you and her had a good relationship because we, we Mm -hmm. spoke about this at the beginning of the week, but was her tone of the email? Like, no, I'm sorry. Like you're paying the rent or you're getting out. Like, did she seem compassionate or did she seem like this is not my problem? Figure it out. Uh, Neutral. I don't know. Um, it just seemed kind of matter of fact, like it's just business. It didn't seem harsh, but nor did it seem, you know, compassionate either. Um, it was just a matter of fact. How did you take it, though? Well, of course, I, I got really emotional. <laughs> I mean, that's again, that's why I kind of vented on Facebook because I was feeling like I needed support and I was really upset. Like, were you mad um, at all? Were you angry? No, actually, not really angry because I, I quickly figured out in my head that. You know, it it is just business. It's just her. Exactly. Um, it's that this whole building is part of her, like her owning this space is her business, and she, you know, um, she has other tenants there who are all apparently paying rent still as usual, um, and it's just normal. Like it's yes, there is a pandemic going on, but I and I don't know what her financial situation is, but. I could see that, you know, it wasn't her being mean. It was just like, I need money. Well, exactly. And that's what we had talked about earlier this week, that it's there's no right or wrong here. It's we don't know what her situation is. And at the end of the day, it is just business. And just like RMTUs who work in a clinic who, you know, the clinic owners aren't getting a break from from their landlord and they have to pay rent. And so they're expecting their RMTs to pay. Right. Like it's there's no right way to handle this. Um, But I mean, in your case, thank goodness, it was right at the time where your lease was up. I mean, not that you want to leave your space because we all know that that's, that's just a whole other headache in itself. You're going to be sort of starting over again, right? Exactly. And so, I mean, that was what made me sad was the thought of having to um, leave the space. I, when I first started in June, started up the, the clinic there, I had envisioned being there for at least five years. Um, that was my plan anyway. And I was really happy there. Um, and you know, our, my relationship with the landlady was fairly good, you know, like she loved my, she loved what I did with the space. She loved that I was there. She was, I know she was, you know, talking to other tenants about me and, um, you know, just, I think she, um, liked me there. I mean, I, (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb there, but I think, I think it's fair. I mean, again, we didn't have any bad relationship. And so when she offered to be generous on the April rent, I was that really, you know, I, I was really, really uh, thankful and grateful to her for that. She, I didn't know if she would be or not, mind you, but so yeah, so it's just sad, you know, at, um, when I got that email, I didn't follow up with her, um, immediately either, I should say. And so I kind of just left it and I, and that put me in a weird, like emotional limbo where, 
I had to, I knew I had to be um, practical and figure something out, figure out a plan B or C or whatever in the end. But um, in the end, yeah, I, I never harbored any, any um, anger towards her because I knew that, you know, it's, um, she probably wasn't thrilled with the, with this whole thing either. Right. Yeah. I'm sure she's being affected because everybody is in some way. I feel like I, 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 f- I wish a lot of people at the beginning would have just sat still for a little bit. Yes. Not mm-hmm. make decisions, not get all fucking crazy. I understand why you got all crazy, but not to make decisions that go all fucking crazy because a lot of the decisions that were made were, were way before you found out, Hey, I can get some sort of government program here to help me out. I can defer this. I can defer that i can get a, a loan to keep my staff on like a lot of people made decisions before any of that was even people mentioned. were making decisions out of fear and uh we had talked about on another episode which i'm not sure has gone out yet uh i have a friend who's a clinic owner and three of her rmts who rent from her she had sent them an email saying like listen i'm going to give you guys all a break on april because she did some you know rejigging of her own finances to f- make sure that she wouldn't have to charge them because she felt bad And then they were saying that they didn't want to pay her for March because they were only able to work half of March. And she was like, okay, whoa, I, I, you know, I'm happy to give you a break on April, but you did work half of March and, you know, I, I can't really, I can't really, um, let you guys not pay March or April. And when that happened, I think she said a couple of them reached out to her and kind of came up with, a plan, you know, like, let's come mm-hmm. up with some sort of payment schedule. You know, I don't want to leave you high and dry, but let's come up with some sort of payment schedule. But she had one therapist who basically just said, nope, not happening. I'm not paying. And wow. so she called me and she was really upset. Like, you know, I thought I was doing a nice thing by trying to give them a break on April. And I said, you're absolutely doing a nice thing. And I think that that other therapist was working out of fear because maybe this was before she realized that she would qualify for any kind of government relief. And so I understand people getting scared and trying to make sure that they're taken care of. But yeah, that was like the biggest frustration for me in the beginning was everybody sort of trying to figure out like, how do I redesign my business? How do I do this? How do I make sure I have money? How can I, how can I basically hoard money? Like I hoard toilet paper (laughs) when this is, this is not the solution. Like sit back for a second, you know, Let's just see what's going to happen because obviously there's going to have to be some relief for people. The government's not just going to tell everybody, stay inside, you can't go to work, but we're not going to help you. Um, you know, and I, I know that not everybody qualifies for everything. I, you know, like we said on Monday when you and I talked, we thought that you would be in a situation where there would be no way you'd be able to pay your rent. But now as of today or as of yesterday, um, that might not be the case, right? Yeah. I mean, I think um, it highlights a big problem, which is I think a lot of us just don't make a lot of money. I mean, we we like to think that, you know, massage, we're all successful, we're all busy in our practices. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of us just don't make a lot of money, enough to survive, maybe enough to put a little aside, but certainly not, um, you know, I think nearly enough to put aside three months rent, five months rent or whatever. So, and I mean, I speak that's me speaking, um, my financial situation, I was breaking even with my business and I was, you know, just a little more than that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard when this hit where I realized like, oh shit, I don't even have three months rent put aside. So, um, I think that is why I'm, um, I'm guessing a lot of people did react so strongly because yeah, we, um, a lot of us just don't earn that much in our profession, even though we work so hard. 
Um, but yeah, as you said, now there's this, um, there's recently a new announcement about the emergency commercial rent assistance program um, just the other day, but no details have come out yet. Yeah, um, I'm waiting to see that because that's, you know, we're in a similar situation with you. Not similar, like we're not being threatened that we have to leave. But, you know, we did contact the people that we rent from to find out, you know, is there anything that you guys are offering? And they didn't say no, but they also didn't say yes. It was, they were doing it case by case. Essentially, yeah. they wanted they wanted to see all of your financial records. Yeah, they want to basically look into everything. And they want to see how your everything. business was affected before they say mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think there's still going to be, it's going to be a while yet before this new program comes out and the details. It seems mm-hmm. like it's going to be a, both a federal and provincial um, collaboration. So, of course, there's going to be some bureaucracy there, but... Um, I mentioned it actually to my landlady today, and she said she was willing to um, look into it, meaning, so as I understand it, again, no details really have been released, but what it seems like is going to be some sort of um, relief for commercial tenants, or sorry, for commercial landlords, Landlords, who then can apply this relief to their tenants. Now, who knows how that's all going to go down, but my least my my landlady said she'd be willing for me to look into it if i gave her the information she'd be willing to apply for me mm-hmm. so that conversation that i had today with her really lifted my spirit because um she could have said you know what no i yep. i made up my mind i'm going to look for a new tenant i don't want the hassle of this you know paperwork and who knows what else is going to be involved. I'd rather just find a new tenant who can pay straight up, you know, full rent, no questions. Although she might have realized at this moment, finding a new tenant might not be so easy because there are millions of us that are out of work. So probably mm-hmm. not the best time to be trying to rent a commercial space. But that is really nice, though. It might again, be easy. There's a lot of rich guys walking around that are yeah, you never starting, know. starting things up. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but it is really nice, again, because all I've been saying throughout this entire Uh, lockdown bedroom session series of our podcast is I just want everybody before making any decisions to take a moment and think like, yes, you know, this is affecting me, but how is it affecting this person or this person or this person? And just be compassionate a little bit. That clinic owner and like your scenario that you described where that person didn't want to pay for March and April and whatever. And now the relationship is completely dissolved. Yeah. Like, that could have been so different if that that conversation or an agreement to come up with an agreement. Well, and that was it. The you know owner, I mean? my friend, who's the owner, that then you know, all this new information me. would have been out. Yeah, she had said to me, "I'm completely willing to work with my therapist." Like she had, you know, she had long-standing therapists there. She loved the people she worked with. So for her, it was actually more sad that you know this therapist was like, "Well, I'm not paying. Not my problem." You know, you own the place. You figure it out. She was like a little bit heart broken by it, like that this person Mm. didn't want to work with her. And as I said, that's all I've been saying is, yes, you're affected and everybody right now has a sob story that they could tell you because everybody's struggling in some way. But take a second and think about how other people are being affected. So I, I really do think it's nice that your landlord was willing to say, okay, you're a good tenant. I've liked having you here. I'm willing to look into this to see if we can keep you here because, again, that'll just save mm-hmm. you such a hassle of having to find a new space and reopen up. And, you know, we didn't talk about it on this episode, but you had toyed around with the idea of maybe just working from home when all this was over. But that yeah, that poses problems as well, right? Uh, so, yeah, there'd be some shuffling uh, that would have to happen here. 
uh, rearranging, painting, fixing up. Um, I'd have to rent a truck, haul all my furniture out of there or disassemble it. And the logistics of it would have been, yeah, a little bit of a headache, you know, reprinting business cards and uh, rebrand, not rebranding, but redoing my website, things like that. Um, I'd do it if I had to. And I think a lot of people will have to um, out of necessity, but um, I'm just the kind of person that I need to know what my plan B is or my plan C or D. Yeah. It's good to to have, it's good to have backup plans. I mean, as I said, I'm not trying to make any big decisions right now. Mark and I have conversations daily, you know, over screaming children where we have, we throw around ideas, but we're not setting anything in stone right now. It's just, you know, what if we tried this? What if we did this? Could we do this? Would this possibly Mm -hmm. work? And Mm -hmm. we just like to have those ideas floating around to see, you know, do we have other options? Because at the end of Mm -hmm. the day, we want to make sure that Con Ed is going to be able to come back and reopen and be just as awesome as it was before, whatever that might look like. So Mm -hmm. I want to have backup plans. I just don't want to make any big concrete decisions right now because there's still Mm -hmm. way too many question marks for me. and I can't make deci- I can't make decisions in an uncertain environment like this. No, it's really hard, um, and it's hard to um, have any kind of um, like we're. I think we're all of us looking for answers. We're all looking for some something to hang on to, to latch on to. But the reality is, we have no idea when we'll be able to go back to work. I mean, BC is apparently going to be easing restrictions as of May, but provincially, I think they're doing a whole lot better than we are. So like my landlady asked me, she's like, how long is this going to go on for? When are you going to be able to return to practice? And I said, I have no idea. I find it strange that she would even ask that. Like, does she not have a television? Does she not read (laughs) newspapers? Does she not look at her phone? Or I don't know. It's. It, I, well, because, I, I well, need I, I need to chill is- because that somehow just annoys me so much. Like I'm I'm sorry I I don't know your landlady. She's probably perfectly sweet, but it's so frustrating to me when people are asking those sorts of questions. Like, well, when can you go back to work? When is it? I I don't know any more. Like I I don't know. Ask Justin Trudeau. He doesn't fucking know. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> <laughs> I think if the you know the reason. I'm, my guess would be the reason is that I'm the only tenant of hers that I'm aware of that this has happened to, that I've been told I cannot work. I mean, right. there's the, the provincial essential versus non-essential list, but according to that list, we are essential, uh, strictly that list. The right. Ministry of Health and the call, the, the CMTO, of course, has told us, no, you know, we can only, we're not, the, the essential health care is only for acute and emergency health care. And massage therapy does not uh, constitute emergency care. Yeah, we got another email from the CMTO today. And in bolded letters, it Mm -hmm. says... The guidance for massage therapists remains as follows. Under the non-essential business closure, all healthcare professionals are restricted from providing anything other than emergency slash urgent care. RMT should not practice because the practice of massage therapy is not emergency slash urgent care, which I mean, I agree with. Nobody's going to die if they don't get their massage. Um, But yeah, I think it is a little misleading when you read the list because some of the wording is like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. we kind of fall here. But CMTO is telling us, no, you don't. Don't go to work. Yeah, and that's what she she wouldn't know. The general public wouldn't know that um, unless the MTO has been, you know, taking out um, ad space on TV. But <laughs> I doubt that. Um, so she wouldn't know that. Only we would know. Um, but 
the public would know about the provincial essential list. So I think she was just wondering, why am I still having to close my practice and stay right. closed when everyone else is working? And the the building that I'm in is um, it's just a lot of single person offices. So it's actually kind of safe as far as you know, physical distancing, because everyone's in their office, doors closed. There are communal areas, but they're not really... Not high traffic. It's, yeah. it's unlikely to run into someone else in the building. That's very much like our building. I feel like we're so yeah. secluded. Exactly like yeah. So she's probably just confused as to why why I can't be there. Um, and I think I, I, I hear concern under that when she says that. I, I heard that her saying, you know, she is worried for me genuinely that I'm not able to work and that it's, you know, affecting my income, not yeah. just because I can't pay rent, but just like it's overall shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I've had people who I I barely know. I, I don't mean I barely know, but clients, you know, it's not like we're personal friends. It's not like they really know me, but they know that I'm self-employed. They know that I, you know, I own the space with my husband and there's clients that are actually calling like, are you guys okay? Is everything good? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Mm -hmm. We're good. Um, yeah. I chuckled when you said, unless the CMTO is taking out ad space, can you imagine the uproar with RMTs if the CMTO was paying for ad space right now when RMTs are like, fuck, give us some money back. <laughs> 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 there would be some angry uh, people. <laughs> oh, they think there's going to be a lot of anger this year in general. I have a feeling they're going to do something uh, just based on the wording of the last email as well. They said that, you know, they've been taking the calls, getting the emails, and they haven't decided yet what they're going to do with the fees for 2021. But just based mm -hmm. on the wording of the email, I got a strong feeling that they're going to try to adjust our fees in some way, whether it's deferring them or yeah. maybe giving us a, a break on how much we're going to pay for 2021. I think they're working on something. It'd be nice um, if that would be the case. I don't, I'm Honestly, my expectations are zero, but uh, and I think that's pretty safe yeah. because then if, if they end up giving us a little break, then woohoo, you know. And I think the break might be something as simple as like pushing your registration fee payment back, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. like what they did when they raised the fees, like they they, yeah. pushed, they pushed it, yeah, so, something like that. We'll see something. Hopefully, I did want to ask you though because I don't remember what was the general consensus from all of your colleagues on Facebook with that post. Um. Well, sympathy, I guess. Um, I think it highlighted um, my story, um, reminded people of their own scenarios and their own situations. Um, and I think uh, they were finding themselves in similar positions or maybe not yet. Being like me renting my own space, not having another subcontractor, um, it's pretty straightforward actually for me. You know, I pay the rent. It's either I do or I don't. Um, I don't have to worry about um, anyone else in that mix. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, my lease is up in June, but, um, what if my lease were up in October? That would be a different story too. So I think my scenario, it seemed like when I, when I reflected on it, it seemed like, Oh my, you know, boohoo, poor me. But I think there are um, others out there who have, um, have it worse or have, um, a scenario or a situation that's actually a little more dire than I do. And, um, it, um, but I received a lot of words of, support and encouragement and um, and that really 
that really was very nice to read. Were you at any point, um, I know Mark asked you if you were angry at the landlord. Were you at any point, um, I think the word I used the last time we spoke was bitter. Like, were you bitter that, you know, this, this isn't my fault? Like, isn't there something we could do? Like, did, were you expecting her to maybe try to work with you a little more than she did? I mean, as lovely as a person as she might be, were you sort of expecting that mm-hmm. she would be a little more willing to help you out because none of this was within your control? Um, may, I don't, I don't even know if I felt that way a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, Probably a little bit, but um, I think I've been on such an, a roller coaster mm-hmm. of feelings that um, right now I feel kind of at peace and I, I understand and I'm really feeling level headed. But I think I might have felt a little bitter and I felt a little um, upset that she didn't try um, at the outset to say, you know what, don't worry about it, full stop, just it's going to be okay, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, no, I don't. Um, I might have, to answer your question, I might have felt a little bitter, but I don't anymore. You are incredibly level-headed, though, because, again, I've talked to a lot of other people. Because it is me. That's a whole other well, story. <laughs> I've just talked to a lot of other people, um, in not even just in our profession, just other people who are small business owners and who are going through a lot of shit. And I'm getting a lot of, you know... Uh, I'm getting a lot of people who I feel like because they're just so upset about this and I, it, you don't know who to be angry. What are you mad at the virus? Like you just, you're so angry that you can't work and it's out of your control and you know, you don't know what to do. And so it's like somebody there's certain people that I think are waiting for somebody to just help them or somebody to say, or they feel like people should be helping them because they're in this situation. And that's what I I was saying before, how I don't think you can always look at how the other person's being affected. Um, You know, I've seen people on Facebook getting really angry at the government, like let's flood Mm -hmm. our government's emails and whatever with this and that and the other. And, you know, I understand it, but I also think like there are so many other small businesses that are being affected. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what makes us so special? I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to offend any RMTs here. We are pretty fucking special, but, but, you know, why should they help us over anybody else? And, you know, there's a slippery slope and I think that everybody's trying to do the best they can. But I've, yeah, I've seen people ranting on Facebook about the government. I've seen people ranting on Facebook about the CMTO and what they should be doing or people ranting about the RMTAO and or what are they doing? And, you know, it's like everybody's just trying to find like somebody, like save me, help me figure this out. Like I, this is not my fault. And, I I think it would be it's hard not to feel a little bit of that sometimes and if you can if you can get above that you're you're a very level-headed person. I think that goes away at some point. I think it Mm -hmm. starts with the what the fuck. That's the anger. What the fuck? Then it goes to what the fuck? Like what the fuck am I gonna do? Yeah. Right. And then it gets to like what the fuck? Fuck it. Let's just sit (laughs) back. You know what I mean? So I started buying boxes of wine. Call it seriously. Yeah. Buy the box. Yep. (laughs) Well, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm angry too, or at least I've cycled through a bit of anger, um, mostly at the virus and the fact that I chose a profession of all things that relies on touching people. And now this has happened where touch is taboo. Hell, even being within six feet of someone is taboo. I know. And, um, and it is kind of funny to me that I happened to choose that. And, um, I mean, you know, the, the whole thought of like, if this goes on longer, um, long enough that, you know, that CERB runs out or they stop doing any of these assistance programs, then, then what? I mean, that does 
make me angry because then that would mean I'd have to choose some other way of supporting myself. Now, again, you know, I'm level-headed. I'm thinking, well, you know, that's how it is. You have to do what you have to do. That's been most of my life, my life story. They can't stop an assistance program and, and still not allow people to work. Like that can't happen. Yeah, we had another well, guest know. on who said, and I, I never really thought about it that way until she said it that way. You can't just like, you can't just have everybody homeless. Like you can't just kick everybody out of their home. So if we can't mm-hmm. work and we can't make an income, then um, then what? Then we have assistance. And if we don't have assistance, then you should have the opportunity to work. Yeah. Well, we should. I agree. But um, I guess I'm never, um, my thinking is the government isn't responsible for, um, I mean, yes, they are responsible for our well-being. We pay taxes and all the rest of it. Um, but it's still up to us as adults to figure shit out, you know, and if that means taking a part-time job temporarily, you know, until let's say they develop a vaccine and it's determined that it's safe to hug and kiss people and be, you know, in the same room with them and, and touching their face and whatever, then that's what we'll have to do. But I, in my mind, I'm Again, my expectations, my level of expectations really low right now. So if they do extend the assistance program, I'll be thrilled. I'll be so grateful and so happy, but I'm totally not expecting it at all because the government coffers, like how deep can they be? You know, there's, I'm sure there's a finite amount of resources that they have. I don't know, man. Did you see Justin Trudeau's cottage? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not even, (laughs) those politicians have some money, Colin. Well, I, it's sure. Yeah. And I mean, there's, uh, we could go on and on about, you know, Alberta and big oil and all the rest of it. But I mean, in the end, my thinking is, you know, we are, we, we're, I'm really grateful, don't get me wrong, really grateful to be living in Canada as opposed to other countries, hint, hint, but, um, and really happy that they got their stuff together and, and handed out this money so quickly, relatively speaking. So, but it's not going to be forever. And oh, no, in the right. end, we're going to have to, we're going to have to um, find a way just even just for uh, for the time being just to make ends meet and i mean maybe that's a new concept for some people but it's not for me so it's sort of like it is what it is well and- just like there's a finite amount of money though there's also a finite amount of jobs right now that are quote essential yeah. so it's not yeah. like all of us millions of unemployed people can just go and get a job as a frontline worker in a supermarket or you know working as a delivery person there's only a certain amount of people that can get those jobs and again the government also knows that so they're yeah. they're going to come up with some form of plan whatever it's going to look like to either have mm-hmm. some either people getting back to work, to work or yeah or giving people further assistance because there's just there's just no way that all of us who are you know non-essential right now all of the massage therapists all of the chiropractors all of the manual osteopathic practitioners so all of us are just going to have to get new careers i there's no way that's going to happen i don't know well, how we're going to that's just healthcare that you just said exactly i haven't even gotten into all the other service yeah mm-hmm. so i mean at some point we as mark said we're either going to have to go back to work or they're going to have to extend the assistance 
I think we're going to get back to work sooner than some people are projecting right now. And the reason I say that is just the, just the numbers. I mean, I'm not going to go into them all right now, but if you actually look at the numbers on the CDC website and what's actually being reported, um, I'm not saying don't take the virus seriously. So nobody jump all over me right now. But I think just based on the numbers that we are doing pretty well, and I think that we're, we're going to be able to open things back up, even if slowly, or if maybe Mm -hmm. we have to do it in waves, or I don't know how they're going to do it. But I I think we're going to get back to work sooner than some people think. Like, I think we're at the point now where there's some therapists who are thinking, fuck it, I'm just gonna have to find a new profession. Actually, I know there are therapists who are thinking, I'm just gonna leave this all together. Yeah. And that's actually a conversation. uh, Part of the conversation I had with my landlady today was, you know, what is it going to look like when you do get back uh, to work? That was her question to me. And I said, you know, it's probably, well, for sure, it's not going to be a hundred percent right from the get-go. It's not going to be, you know, my same, my usual number of clients per day, five days a week. It's going to be probably maybe one or two a day um, for a lot of reasons. One, we're probably going to have to um, uh, have new um, criteria around disinfection. Um, Probably the CMTO is working on that right now for us. And also we might um, have uh, our clients might not want to come back, rushing back straight away. They might be a little worried. Um, They might be gun shy just because of all this, um, you know, social distancing or physical distancing. They might be concerned about coming back for treatment too soon, um, even with precautions, the usual precautions that we take. Um, So it's going to be, I think the landscape of our back to work is going to be, um, altered for probably a few months if not the rest of the year yeah i really have no yeah, idea it's, what it's, it's going to look like so i feel like weird. i can see it so many different ways because it's all over the map yeah it's, it's exactly what you said and to add in even a couple more into the mix where mm-hmm. you haven't been seeing your therapist and you found some sort of alternative with self-care yeah and you feel better like well why do i need to see that mm-hmm. therapist anymore like you know there's so many other variables but then you also have you know your patients and clients that are calling you that are saying yep. is everything okay are you guys okay because they're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that or can i come get a massage are you back to work yet like everyone's got a handful of those too so i had one of my i had one of my clients send me a text message the other day and she said my insurance just renewed great timing huh and like we were joking around about it and uh she said to me well on the plus side i have all this money to spend and as soon as you're coming you get back to work i'm going to spend it all on you and i was like oh (laughs) i love you guys like i can't Mm -hmm. wait to be able to get back to work So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm hoping the ones that are saying things like that to me really mean it. And yeah, Yeah. I don't expect everybody to jump right back on my table, but I think there's going to be quite a few people that are lining up waiting to get an appointment and they I think trust me enough to know that I will be using all of the precautions and I'll be making sure that I'm taking extra care yeah. to make sure that they're Absolutely. safe when they come back you know who's going to have it worse I think physiotherapists because they've already adapted a whole other fucking model yeah they can be virtual, they but, can be virtual. but that doesn't mean that their business will be affected no, 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 no. Be... I just mean the, the mode of their work right. is yeah. now just completely mm-hmm. different probably staying mm-hmm. that way too yeah there's no substitute for what we do, really. 
I mean, no, there's not. And that is the that is the good thing about it, right? That is why yeah. you shouldn't. I don't think you should be worried. Can I make a living at this anymore? Maybe I should switch jobs. You know, I picked a, I picked a career where we need to touch people. And if any scenario comes up where I can't touch people, I can't make money. But at the end of the day, we everyone wants touch. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And there is, like you said, there is no substitute for what we do. Just like there's no substitute for hairstylists. <laughs> <laughs> we are all learning that the hard way right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. There's <laughs> oh my goodness mark's hair has like taken on a life form like i don't <laughs> you think it would be mine that's worse right now his is like coming at forward at me and i think it's going to attack me yeah. and eat my face at some point <laughs> yeah all of us who have short hair are kind of uh we're really missing our stylist right oh now. you have like a like a pixie cut kind of thing right like the yes. really short yeah i had one of those and i i feel for you right now now because I know how much maintenance that was to keep it looking mm. normal. Otherwise, you know what I looked like? I looked like a little boy with bedhead every day that I woke up. Or Boris Johnson. Oh, that is so another. sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I wanted, I know this is off topic now, but I wanted to um, just before, like, was it February? The last time I went in for a haircut, I had told my hairstylist, I wanted to grow it out a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit. And she said, okay, well, that's going to be the hard part. You know, you're going to have to, it's going to look like shit for a while. The awkward phase. Um, Well, but funny enough, at least I'm going through that awkward phase right now, but no one has to see me. (laughs) So it's actually really good timing. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. um, That I chose to go about doing this. Although, again, there's nothing quite like having your hair cut. It's such a nice feeling and I miss it. (laughs) Or dyed. I mean, we talked about it on another episode and now I don't remember. I think the one we recorded last night about um, how gray hairs just stick to you. They don't fall out. So, I mean, between the gray hairs and I have a uh, my hair right now is colored like um, like a balayage. So, it's you know, it's sort of like an ombre effect, like it's like darker what? and These it gets are all lighter. words I don't know. Yes, I know you don't know them because you're not a girl. Uh, um, but it is now gone past the ombre and I just look like I need to get my hair dyed. Like I look ridiculous. <laughs> I've got half of my hair is a medium brown and my straggly ends are blonde I look ridiculous I should yeah I was about to say I shouldn't go out in public but I shouldn't go out in public so it's fine yeah it's gonna be I think um well the you know the hairstyles are gonna be as soon as they're able to work they're gonna be full and um I hope that they don't uh, quit or close their businesses or whatever. Too, oh, I so. know. Did you see right. the joke about uh, the Botox? It was an, an no. article about, I think it said, a Forest Hill. For anyone listening who's not from Toronto, Forest Hill is like a, a very nice area in Toronto. And the article was something like, Forest Hill man um, discovers that he married an age-appropriate woman. <laughs> <laughs> He started to notice like, hey, what? You have wrinkles? You have gray hair? Like, what is this sagging skin? And uh, yeah, Mm, it's hilarious. We we need those Botox places to open back up. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, I think I've read something or heard someone similar joke about all the the nail salons or people who have those um, fake nails and uh, can't get them filled or eyelashes. They can't get them filled. Any any. Thing where you know you need to replace things in a month. Yep, it's probably really, uh, really kind of funny. Thank God RMTs don't have that problem. Although my nails are longer than they've probably been in ten years, and yep. it's very weird. It feels weird. Very weird. Yes, yeah. I had to cut mine, <laughs> and I've never had to really cut them from being that long to. 
I, I just need them to be back to normal. I was actually going to say last night to Mark and I didn't because then I got too tired. I was going to say to him, like, let's let's get the massage table out. I, I need to give someone a massage. You want a massage? I thought you were going to say, let's 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 cut each other's nails. <laughs> I don't no. know. I thought that was coming. I don't know why I thought no. that was coming. Although I did give I did give Mark a pedicure one time the week before we got married. We got married in Punta Cana. So this. we were going to be on a beach and he would never in a million years come to the salon with me and get a pedicure. So, so when they do your feet, right? Yeah. So before we my went away, I gave him a pedicure and made his feet look pretty. My feet already look pretty soft, like a baby's <laughs> butt too. <laughs> Glorious. Oh my God. Anyway, anything else that we, we need to talk about with Colette tonight? I don't know. I like, I like tonight. Tonight was good. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you're so at peace with what's going on. I'm glad that your landlord is considering working with you and figuring out this uh, rent relief program. And at the end of the day, like you said, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm sure you already have a plan B, C, D, and E, and you'll figure it out. But plan B is your house then, right? If you're if you're still going to do massage. Yeah. Are, you, are yeah. you at all then, if that's the route you have to go, are you at all weary or kind of scared or standoffish from commercial space like did this screwed up for you or that can be a possibility no um i mean i've been actually on my daily walks like just going around my community and seeing what other spaces there are um kind of scoping things out i still like the idea of having my own space um separate from my home yeah um i mean that was the only thing i was kind of not so keen on is like yeah you know having people come in here into my home it's a very intimate thing you know and um, yeah i don't i don't know how i would how i could do that i know a lot of therapists do it and i have i have friends who do it but uh, i've always been really not for the idea of having people i don't really know come into my home i'm the same way there's something i quicker do mobile than have people in my house yeah Yeah. had you thought about maybe doing mobile or do you not drive are you a commuter no i i drive and i did think about it um especially since um my husband now works from home and probably will too for the next bit Mm -hmm. um and so he's not normally he'd be using the car so normally that's why i didn't do ever do mobile is because he always had the car right but now um now i could use it you know and at the time you know before i actually got my space in june last year i was um like we have a second bedroom and i had tried to set it up like a little clinic to see how how it would work um and i only invited people i knew like really well yeah. to have treatments here. Um, and at the time, I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's, it's fine for just a handful of people, but I don't want to have a practice because I'd have to advertise um, to the general public. So I'd have to reveal where I live. I'd have to invite randoms into my home while I'm alone here. And that just did not sit well with me. But now that I have um, built up a clientele who, um, you know, where at least I have a handful of people that are regulars and that I trust and know very well now, Right, they could, I'd be more than happy to have them come to my home. So, um, and I think they'd feel comfortable coming to my home. So um, I actually, I'm less worried about that piece now. I think what would change is that I'd stop advertising 
for new clients for the time being. Yeah. And like you said, now that you have a relationship with these people, um, having them to come into your home wouldn't be such a weird thing. And because you wouldn't be paying the overhead that you're paying right yeah. now, then you wouldn't yeah. have to see the number of people you're seeing to sort of continue with, exactly. you know, the standard of living that you've been accustomed to. So yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. that's a, that's a good plan B for you. I thought of a question at the beginning and I forgot to ask you, so I'm going to throw it in right now. When you initially went out on your own, was your intent to always be just you? Because you said, you know, one of the things about working in a clinic that now you don't have is the camaraderie. Or did you ever think about possibly expanding and being a clinic owner and bringing on subcontractors? Um, I had thought about it, but I, well, at least to share my space, I did not want to share my space. I've spent a lot of many years sharing a space with other practitioners. And um, I just, there, I've been burned um, in different ways by that. And I just, I absolutely do not want to share space with anyone. Um, to be a clinic owner, maybe, I don't know. Um, I, uh, it wasn't ever off the table as an option, but it was certainly not in the immediate future for me because I needed to, um, or at least I wanted to just go slow. I wanted to just uh, learn how how to run a business. I wanted to build these relationships. I wanted to take my time with it. Um, I had enough on my plate doing all that, I felt anyway. So I didn't want to jump too far ahead and think about um, um, increasing my business or expanding it at all. But I certainly did not want to share a space. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit particular about my own space. I can understand that. Uh, but running, owning a clinic in, in, you know, having the potential for a passive income is, is nice. It would mean that at some point you would probably get to work a little bit less, but at this mm -hmm. very moment to all of my friends who are clinic owners, and I've got a few of them, I, I really feel for them. They're in a really exactly. tough spot oh, right now. Yes, they are. I really, I do. I, I know a few too, and I'm really, I'm, holding so much space for them in my heart because it's risky enough to start your own solo practice. Like yeah. for me, it was a big risk. I was super scared and no idea how it would work out. Um, but it did for me, but I mitigated that risk by just being a solo practice. So to have, um, to be responsible for other people's livelihoods is, um, it's huge. Yeah. And now to have that, to have that impacted and so severely, so suddenly, without any warning. Oh my gosh. I know. If the next uh, virus that comes around, you know, the next pandemic, if we could just have like six to eight weeks to prep for this, <laughs> that would be really much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, it might not hit us all like a ton of bricks next time. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm hoping there isn't going to be a next time in my lifetime because this has been such a crazy time. Like you said, I've gone through pretty much every emotion. You know, I've dealt with the anger piece. I've dealt with the sadness. I've dealt with the confusion. I've dealt with the feelings of like, okay, what am I going to do? And I need to do this and I need to be productive. And I need, I've done, I've gone through all of those phases. I'm, I'm pretty good now, but I don't know if uh, emotionally I can handle this again. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's going to, it's definitely a one hell of a learning curve for everyone. I, I imagine that, you know, in the future, this is going to be um, the good thing that's going to come out of this is that now the governments are going to make sure at all levels to have plans in place, not just 
theoretical, like, oh, you know, we'll have a little stockpile here and there. No, no, we're going to make sure that we Colette, can handle... are you saying that the government's going to learn from their mistakes? I <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't, I'd be really surprised. Like, really? Really? Although, yeah, it's true. You know, governments change and people, um, you know, as generations go on, you know, lessons can get forgotten, I guess. But I hope not. I hope no one ever forgets this. And I hope that, um, you know, should we have to um, deal with something like this in the future that at least, you know, actually, you could argue we had warnings, right? We had there were warning signs. We just didn't, we, I mean, our government didn't act on them. That's a whole other conversation, I think. Yeah. I, I want to know now, well, you were, just before you started speaking, Mark was wagging his finger at me. Did I say something that uh, you were going to lecture me about? No, because we were talking about how people are gone bonkers. I'm, and I was thinking to myself, wait till the fucking weather gets warmer. Oh, and everyone's going to really go bonkers. Yeah, because right now, I mean, there are places right now where the weather is nice. And I, I don't know what... Uh, it looks like in those places, but that's just life wherever they are, right? Yeah. We're gonna go through it. Season change, and it's gonna be fucking warm and nice. Yeah, because it's not really beautiful. Although today wasn't a bad day, but it hasn't been really great weather yet. So I don't think anybody's yeah. like losing their shit that you know we can't be on the beach and on the boardwalk and in parks. And I don't mm -hmm. think anyone's so freaking out about it yet because the weather isn't cooperating. But when it gets really nice, if this is still going on, I, yeah, I think people are going to lose their minds. Probably. And uh, I was actually thinking, what, the next major holiday is Victoria Day, um, 824. The start of Canadian summer. Like, we all have to go to cottages and be around campfires. And that's not going to happen this year, is it? That's going to be interesting to, to witness. And it seems like, um, isn't the, um, the province extended the state of emergency until May 2nd May or 12th. May 12th. Yeah, May 12th. Yeah. So, you know, who knows, right? But things are changing week to week. So yeah, we're in for another wild ride, I think, this next month. I would really just love it if somebody made an announcement right now, like, this was the longest and most elaborate April Fool's joke ever. Go outside, people. <laughs> it would be amazing to hug my friends. I really miss them all. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to take up any more of your time, Colette, since this is our take two. But I actually think our conversation was better tonight. I know I was much more upbeat. Monday was just a Monday was a rough day. So mm. I'm glad we decided to do this again. And I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. You're oh so busy schedule at home right now <laughs> to chat with us again. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on your show. Right on. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace.